Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. Into our series. We are in this series where we're talking about holy habits, things like prayer and reading your Bible and we got coming up, we got fasting and feasting and rest and work, all these great things. How many people love rest? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for rest. That's part of God's plan. That's next week, yeah? Do not miss next week. Permission to take the day off from the Lord, but not next Sunday. You have to come and get that, all right? Um, But these aren't things that we do so that we can get into the Lord's good books. We're not trying to earn salvation. We're not trying to earn His favour. These are things that we can do so we can position ourselves to receive His best. And that's the tagline for our series, positioning yourself for God's best. And so each week we're working through this list of spiritual disciplines. And this week I want to speak to you about worship. And um, I'm well aware that there are a lot of opinions when it comes to worship, right? Uh, Drums are evil. Uh, Sorry to the drummers out there. Uh, You know, it's too loud. It's too quiet. We sing hymns. We sing Hillsong. We sing Bethel. All those things in church world, we call them the worship wars, because uh, the enemy just loves to come into that space and bring division. Uh, But what we need to do when we look at worship is we need to get back to what the Bible says about worship. And we need to align our understanding with the Father's heart for worship so that we can worship the way that the Lord wants us to worship, right? And I actually believe that worship is going on all the time. Even in churches, worship is going on, but it's not the worship that the Father is looking for. And this is really important that we understand this and we get this right. And so this series, you're going to see that we're doing a lot of teaching. You might feel like, oh, they're talking about the Bible a lot, uh, or this is a bit boring, or whatever. We're being intentional to bring all these things under the microscope and say, what does the Bible say about these things? Let's get our thinking right so that our actions will follow. So if you're um, down with that, I'm going to take you on a bit of a ride today. And we're going to be looking at a whole heap of Greek and Hebrew words today. Now, we don't do this all the time. We actually rarely do it because... The people who bring the word often do all this work behind the scenes for you so we can have a greater understanding. Today, I'm going to do some of that with you, all right? The reason for that, if you're new to church or new to this idea, the Bible was written in different languages. It wasn't written in English, mostly Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic. But as they were translated, sometimes things get lost in translation The reason being is that the English language doesn't always have the words to describe well what is being translated. So we're going to examine a few of those words today, and I believe it's going to help us. So starting at the very beginning, what is worship? I want to give you a definition of worship before 
Not sure if you would have heard this definition, but worship is love expressed. So there are two components to worship, love and the expression of love. Okay, so first of all, we know as followers of Jesus, the great commandment, Matthew 22, people were trying to drill Jesus and they said, what is the most important commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. With all your being, love the Lord. So we have this call to love. But the second part of worship is the expression. This is how Jesus said it in John 4, 23. He said, A time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. Now, this is a gold nugget for us. If we're sitting here and we're saying, well, what sort of worship does the Father want from us? Here's our answer, right? Jesus has put it so plainly for us. And this is really something that we feel the Lord has called us to as a church. That's why it's on our shirts. In spirit and in truth, this is the worship the Father is looking for. Now, I want to unpack unpack this a little bit because even here we can get a greater understanding of what this looks like. The word used here for worshippers comes back to a Greek word, proskineo, and it means to kiss, all right? Now, some of the blokes are like, I'm not so sure about this. (laughs) I get it. It's not a romantic kiss, But a better understanding of the kiss would be to describe to you a dog coming to his master and licking his master's hand. Does anyone, are there any dog people in the room? Do you get this? About a year ago now, we did what we said we would never do, and we brought a dog into our family. I have intentionally not Googled how long this dog will live for. I don't want to know. (laughs) But it is now a part of our family. The wonderful thing about having a dog, probably one of the only things, is that they're always happy to see you. It's great. You know, sometimes I can come home and I can walk in the door and the kids won't even notice that I've come into the house, right? But the dog will. And the dog's happy to see me. And then I can be at home and I can go out to the shops for 15 minutes and I come home and the dog acts like he hasn't seen me for like two years. (laughs) So happy to see me again. So this is an amazing word that Jesus chose to use intentionally to describe the worship that the Father was looking for to kiss the hand of God. It's the same word that's used if you were to come before a king and you would kiss the ground in front of the king. It's this word that sums up this honour, this overflowing worship of being in the presence of someone or something incredible, to kiss the hand of God. God loves it when we express our love for him in worship. Now, looking at the Bible further, there's two key expressions of worship, two kind of paths we see worship take 
in the Bible. And the first one is this, is that as followers of Jesus, worship can be our whole life. It's the life that we live for the Father. And so right at the beginning of Scripture in Genesis chapter 2, we see this word, this Hebrew word, it's called avoda. And it can be translated as work, as worship, and as service. And so it gives us this picture that everything we do, whether we're working, whether we're worshipping, whether we're serving God, this is worship to our Lord. So the people who are currently here and you're thinking, man, I work all the time. I am an unbelievable worshipper, right? Maybe that's true. We've got to see if the love component's there. But it sums up this idea of everything that we do can be for the Lord. Now, in the New Testament, we see this same concept used as Paul is speaking in Romans 12, verse 1. He says this, Therefore, I urge you, brother and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, worship in this context is a Greek word, Latreia, and, it's, and it means service rendered to God. So there's a qualification there. If you are working, if you are serving, if you are worshipping, if it's for the Lord, if it's surrendered for the Lord, then it is worship to the Lord. So can you understand that there are contexts where a life of a follower of Jesus, when it's surrendered to the Lord, everything flows out of that is worship. Amen? All right, here's the second expression that we see in Scripture, and it's through music and singing, which is what we're going to focus on today. Now, it's fair to come to church and be like, why do we sing songs, right? If you're new to church, Christian karaoke is weird. We come in here, the words come up. All we need is that ball that kind of goes boing, boing, boing (laughs) from word to word. And people are thinking, this is what they do in these places, right? There's a little bit more to that. If you read through the Bible, you will find one of the most dominant themes in Scripture is the theme of worship, expressed in many different ways, but it's worship. We see these amazing scenes where Uh, Noah steps out of the ark. The whole world has been flooded, devastating. Don't think for a second that Noah didn't feel the weight of what had taken place. Every person on earth had been killed apart from those in the ark. He steps out onto dry land. The first thing he does, sets up an altar and worships the Lord. He worships. The Scriptures say that the smell of the sacrifice rose to the Lord and the Lord was pleased. This was worship that was acceptable. As you read through the Scriptures, you come to Acts 16 and there's this incredible scene where Paul and Silas, they get locked in jail. They've been beaten with sticks before that, severely beaten. They don't, want, they don't want them to escape, so they lock them in the inner dungeon and they chain them up. And the Scriptures say that it was midnight and they were worshipping the Lord, singing songs to the Lord, and the rest of the people in the jail were listening. And I love that here they were. They were in this, 
terrible situation and they chose to worship the Lord. Isn't that astounding? When we worship the Lord, often we're declaring His goodness. And they're there, they're like, Lord, we have beaten, been beaten almost to death. We've been locked up. We're being treated like the worst criminals, but right now we're gonna choose to worship you because you are good. That's a phenomenal decision. And I'm not gonna give away all of it. You have to read it if you wanna know. But this amazing unseen scene unfolds as an earthquake and the doors open up and it leads on to the jailer and his family getting saved and baptised. Amazing things happen when we worship. If you go to the last book of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 4, we get a picture of what worship in heaven looks like. And so we often think, you know, we're here and we're worshipping, but we forget that right now in the heavenly realm, Creation is worshipping the Lord as he sits on his throne and rules over everything. And this is what it says. It says that heavenly beings of all types are standing before the Lord saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, the one who always was, who is and who is still to come. Nonstop, day and night. Why are they doing that? Because when they stand in the presence of the Lord God Almighty, this is the only acceptable response. And so when we worship, we are actually joining in with heaven as we worship the Lord. Now, we're going to get into some meaty stuff here. Are you still with me? All right. I'm setting some stuff up here. Stick with me, okay? Anyone who feels like they're in the classroom, stay with me, all right? Just nudge the person next to you. Ask them if they're good. Are they awake? One of the words that we see most commonly used through Scripture for worship is the word praise, the translated word praise. And there's a whole book of the Bible, the book of Psalms, that is a book of praise, right? And this is where this word appears over and over again. But the Hebrew word for praise is actually seven different words. And I'm going to show you these words really quickly so you can understand what is intended when we talk about praising the Lord. Okay? So the first one here is Hallel. It means to rave, to boast, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. How often do you describe your worship as that, right? Some people are like, ah, I'm just a quiet worshipper. That's not this word, okay? That's not halal worship. This is the word where we get the word hallelujah from. And this is what it says in Psalm 35. Then I will thank you in front of the great assembly. I will praise you before all the people. I will rave, boast, celebrate about you before all the people. Hallel. Okay, the second one, yada, to acknowledge in public. Some people are are kind of like, I'm a bit of a private worship person, right? Okay, that's not yada worship. This is where you just let loose in public. Psalm 138 says, I give thanks 
O Lord, with all my heart, I will sing your praises before the gods. Number three, the word barak, to bless by kneeling or bowing. I don't know about you, but I have these times when I'm in worship, corporate worship usually, and I just get this sense that the Lord is saying, Dan, come to me on your knees. Come and bow before me. Surrender this to me. And I have this choice as I feel like the Holy Spirit saying that, am I going to do what the Lord is asking me to do here? And we find ourselves bowing before the Lord. Psalm 103 says, Let all that I am praise, bless you by kneeling or bowing before you, Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. All right, Zamar. Making music to God with strings. This is one for the guitarists. I don't know if the bass guitar cuts it. Um, Maybe. Psalm 92. It says, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises, to make music to God with strings, to the Most High. This is where music comes into it. One of the most powerful encounters I've ever had in my life with the Lord was on top of a mountain in the Solomon Islands. Some friends of ours had taken us up to what they call Prayer Mountain and we began to worship on this mountaintop and we just had an old dodgy guitar. I don't think it even had all the strings. I remember it had a shoelace as a guitar strap. And as we worshipped with this dodgy old guitar, this person leading us in worship, the presence of God turned up and every person on that mountaintop ended on their face with tears and snot and all the stuff, just pouring out everything before the Lord. Three more words. Shabak means to address in a loud, town, a loud tone, to shout. We have people here at Hope Community that love to shout out In worship, Psalm 63, because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise, I will shout out to you as long as I live and in your name, I will lift up my hands. You know, some people shout out simply because they've said, Lord, anytime I declare that we will shout before the Lord, I'm going to do it, right? It's a bit like when we sing something, it says, I lift my hands and you're like, Got your hands in your pockets, right? Some people in this place are shouting to the Lord because they've said, when you call me to shout, I'm going to give you my praise. Another word, tauder, to lift hands in adoration. Psalm 69 says, then I will praise God's name with singing. I will honour him with thanksgiving. I still remember going to church as a kid. My mum took me to this crazy church, right? Why were they crazy? Because everyone had their hands lifted in the air. I'm like, these people are crazy. What are they doing? Anyway, later in life, the Lord started to get a hold of me and I started to grow. I still remember the journey from like one day it was like, I'm just going to raise like to here. And, and it was adrenaline, man, this situation. I'm like coming home like, Yes. I'm lifting my hand to here. I feel like everyone in the church is watching me. Whoa. A little bit later, as the Lord's just growing my hunger, I'm like, today I'm going all the way up. 
waiting for my moment in worship. This is it. Up it goes. I progressed from there to the, the goalposts. Two hands. The, the next progression there is to carry the TV. And so on and so on. I realise now that uh, these, these people weren't crazy. These people just really loved the Lord. And they were worshipping the Lord, as it says in Scripture, let's raise our hands to Him in adoration, like stretching our hands out to our Father. The final one, Tehillah, means exuberant singing. We've just had the Tehillah worship festival. There was a lot of exuberant singing. It was amazing. Uh, it doesn't say quiet singing. It doesn't say restrained singing. It says exuberant singing. Psalm 34, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. I want you to see this, right? We have to understand what is the biblical picture we get of worship. It is practically impossible to present a biblical case for conservative expression in worship. Worship is love expressed. There will always be an expression, right? What's funny about this is that often it's the crowd that considers themselves, hey, you know, we're just strong in the word. Some people refer to them as the frozen chosen. We worship with our hands down here, but strong in the word, there's an understanding in Scripture that our worship is to be expressed to the Lord. Now, is there a place for prayer and for humility, like close the door, go into private and pray? All of that, the Lord loves that. Don't get me wrong. And we don't wanna build up a system where we're looking at the people next to us and being like, oh, just a half a hand there. You know, they've got a ways to go yet. <laughs> That's the last thing we wanna do. But each one of us needs to come to the Lord and say, what does it look like to worship you, Father? To let this love in my heart overflow, come out in expression to you. Now, I'll tell you this. You might think, oh, well, I can just love. If you're in a marriage and your love is never expressed. Now, number one, men, you're going to spend a lot of time in the doghouse, all right? And number two, your marriage is in trouble. Love is an action. We express our love. And as followers of Jesus, we express our love to God, right? But how many people know that you can come to church, you can have amazing worship team and you can clap your hands and you can get them in the air and you can get on your knees and you can do all that sort of stuff. But it may not be worship, right? You know, there's been times I've caught myself I've been, I have my hands in, my air, in, in the air and my, my mind is saying, what is that random music stand doing on stage? <laughs> Who left that music stand there? Why is it there? Is anyone using that music stand? <laughs> and then suddenly I realise, oh, yeah, Lord, I'm worshipping you. Oh, you're good, you're good, right? We can do all the stuff. But it doesn't mean we're worshipping. Amen? The Father wants to see our heart. 
I want to give you an example of extravagant worship, just so you can see what this can look like. When we jump into the Old Testament in 2 Samuel 6, um, there's this scene where David has recovered the Ark of the Covenant. They're returning it into their possession and taking it home with them. And there's this amazing scene, okay? The journey to get it from where it was to where it is is just under 13 kilometres, right? The Bible says that every six steps he stops, he sacrifices to the Lord and he worships the Lord every six steps, okay? I'm a numbers guy. I did the math. math. Um, if <laughs> Not the math. <laughs> Let me clear that up. Never done that. Math, stay with me. <laughs> Who's picturing me doing math right now? <laughs> I've lost you. Oh dear. Okay. Is that going to end up on, on worship fails or something somewhere? I've looked at it. If David was my size, that's 18,000 steps to cover that distance, right? If you stop every six steps, that's three thousand worship stops along the way right now I'm not I'm not bringing this up because this is prescriptive like the Bible's not saying hey this is how every six steps I want you to stop oh praise the Lord anyone got a sacrifice for me (laughs) I'm not saying this is what the Bible is telling us to do this is David's heart overflowing love expressed for God and for the presence of God. And this was his expression of worship. And real worship is about coming before the Lord and acknowledging him for who he is, that he's our creator, that he's good, that he's the one who loves us unconditionally, that he's done everything for us to come into relationship with him and therefore he is worthy of my worship. And people think, well, you know, it looks crazy when I'm in church and I'm raising my hands. You know what's crazy? Let me just put this out there. It's crazy that we can go to a footy stadium and we can clap and we can cheer and we can raise our hands and we can wave our banners and, and, and there's, there's a ball it's leather and it's full of air and it's being passed around by people we don't actually know and we give them our worship and our adoration. It's not crazy when we gather together and we lift our hands to our Creator, the one who knows us, the one who loves us, the one who's done everything for us and we say, I'm choosing to worship you. There's nothing crazy about that. Come on. All right, let me finish up. Why do you and I need the habit of worship? Let me give you a couple of reasons. First of all, I want you to hear this, is that we were created to worship. We are all worshipping something. We are phenomenal worshippers. Everyone in this room, everyone listening online, amazing worshippers. Why? We've been created to worship God. But sometimes our worship is misdirected. It's misplaced worship. Perhaps 
often it's misplaced worship. If the worship that we're talking about is worship that is love expressed for God, as we look through Scripture, we see love that's expressed in many different ways to many other things. Love expressed to golden statues and idols, to wooden carved images. We see love expressed to false gods. We're so good at worshipping that we'll just create false gods to worship right through history, right through Scripture. That's how hungry we are to worship. We're so good at worship, we will worship ourselves. If you don't believe me, just look at Instagram. We are really good at worshipping ourselves. But God is the only one who is worthy of worship. And I want, I want you to hear this, is that there is a war on today for your worship. The enemy and the world wants you to think that it's okay to worship anything but the Lord, that you're justified to worship money, that you're justified to worship your own control over life. The enemy loves it when we misplace our worship. But it's false worship. It's counterfeit worship. I want you to hear this. We are created for one purpose, and that's to worship the one true God. That's how we're created. I have no science to back this up, okay? But I'm going to go out on a limb. And I'm going to say that I believe God created us so much to worship that even things like our ears and the way they respond to music, to sound, to what that does to us, to our voices, to the way that we sing, I believe that He has literally physically created us to worship Him. Is that okay? I'll let science work that one out. Um, All right, number two, worship is a spiritual weapon. There is power in worship. Your worship has the power to change atmospheres, spiritual atmospheres. Where there is darkness, we bring worship. Do you know why it works? Because in the Psalms, it says that the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. When we praise Him, He is present in that place. Your worship changes atmospheres. The Israelites knew that worship was a weapon. That's why they sent the worshippers at the front of the armies. They praised the Lord. You know, there was a battle where they didn't even have to fight. They just worshipped. The Lord's like, you just concentrate on me and I'll take care of the battle. Everyone else killed themselves and they just rock up. What's going on here? We've just been praising the Lord. Everyone's dead. That's a good battle. Worship is a weapon. This is how Paul puts it in Ephesians 5. He says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, he's saying you don't have to turn to alcohol or other substitutes. You need to turn to the Lord. When life's good, turn to the Lord. When life's hard, turn to the Lord. When you feel like you've got nothing left, dig deep. 
and lift up a song of praise and give it to the Lord. I want to finish um, real practical. This is just for the people out there who are wondering, what, what does this look like to put this into practice? How do I worship the Lord? Number one, obvious, come to church. We'll worship together. Number two, worship with other believers. When you gather together, whether it's a connect group in your home, worship. Number three, worship at your home. Worship in your car. It's awesome to be that crazy person at the lights, just rocking out with the Lord. How do we do it? Some practical ways, using technology. We are blessed now to be able to use YouTube, Spotify, whatever it looks like to help lead us in worship into the presence of the Lord. Use an instrument. If you're gifted that way, maybe if you're not, might be a reason to pick one up and learn it so you can praise the Lord. Another way is to make it a part of your time with God. Years ago, I was talking with a friend. I said, oh man, my, my daily time with the Lord, it just feels so dry at the moment, just really hard work. And he said to me, well, how do you connect with the Lord best? And I said, worship, for sure. It's in worship. He says, well, do you worship the Lord in your daily quiet time? I said, no. He's like, well, duh. I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Started just worshiping the Lord in my quiet times. Changed everything. I was wrestling with um, how to kind of wrap up today because um, I've got a story and uh, it's a story that might come close to some people's hearts And I don't want this to seem in any way like I'm trying to manipulate things or get an emotional response. I want you to hear this, but I feel like even this morning, I just got really very, very clear clarification from the Lord to share this story. And it's something that God put on my heart as I was preparing for this message, uh, just came out of nowhere. And the Lord reminded me of this song. It's this song called God of Miracles. And it's written by a guy named Chris Kilala, who's, who was the lead singer of Jesus Culture. And it's this amazing song that just declares God's amazing power. That there's nothing that's too hard for God. And I, I want to just read you some of the lyrics. It says, I believe in you. I believe in you. You're the God of miracles. The God who was and is to come. The power of the risen one. The God who brings the dead to life, you're the God of miracles. And there's this story behind the song that Chris and his wife share. And it's that they actually wrote this song straight after they lost their child. And they'd been praying for a miracle in this situation. They didn't know if their child was going to make it and they were in a faith community that believes that God is the God of miracles, that He could heal, that He could break into this situation and that their child would be born and everything would be okay. And so they prayed and they fasted and they asked the Lord for the miracle, but still their child passed away. They lost their child. And it was in that place of the deepest pain and the deepest loss 
that Chris says, I just felt that in that place, I needed just to declare who God is because we hadn't seen the miracle that we were asking God for, but that didn't change that He is still the God of miracles. And I needed to write a song that just declared who He is, no matter what my circumstances were, He hadn't changed and He was still good. And I think that captures a bit of the heart of this idea of worship being love expressed. Is that we don't just love the Lord because He gives us everything that we ask for, because He does the things we want Him to do, but we love Him because of who He is. He's done amazing things for us, but He's our God. He's the Lord God Almighty. And I was reminded as I was sharing with someone this morning that we have this word over our church from Matthew 10. Jesus sends out the disciples. He says, go and tell people that the kingdom is here. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. And I love that verse because in this context, it captures so much that we could come before the Lord and say, God, you've saved me and you have a heart to see so many other people know you. You're the God of miracles, that you can heal the sick, that you can raise the dead, that you are for us and that everything I've freely received because of your love, I wanna give and I just wanna worship you. And you know, so often this worship can be hard for blokes. We're not always great at expressing love. But when you come and you see the Lord this way, our only response is to worship, is to express our love to Him. And so that's what we're gonna do now. And I'm gonna invite you just to jump on your feet. And I just wanna pray for us really quickly as we move into this time of worship. Because I realise that maybe as I've shared that story today, that's, that's come close to some people's hearts or maybe there's something else that's going on in your life. And I wanna be sensitive to the fact that we go through things and they're difficult. I don't wanna take away from that at all. But whether we're on the mountaintop or in the darkest valley, we always have the choice to worship our God for who He is. And so, Father, we thank You, Lord. We thank You that You are the one and only true God, that You're the God who loves us unconditionally, Father. It doesn't matter what our past is, Lord. You meet us and You save us and You wash us clean. Father, we thank You that You're the God of miracles, that nothing is beyond You, Lord. There's nothing that's too hard from You, Father. We thank You, Lord, that You don't relent you continue to pursue us constantly, Father. Even when we run from you, you pursue us, Lord, because that's who you are. We thank you, Lord, that even in our darkest moments, in the deepest valleys, Father, you meet us in those places and you pull us out and you take us to the mountaintops. And in any place, Lord, we wanna be people who worship you, Heavenly Father. God, we realise that there is a mandate over us as a church to be a church that worships You in spirit and in truth, Lord. And that's what we're going to do in Jesus' Name.
Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.